gonna make it real compared to what Walking for the sheer joy of it, of catching up with life, my lungs filled with the air of privilege. I was filled with metaphor. With millions the world over enjoying the stock of awesome imbalance, oh, the joy of recovering my balance. All nature asked of me was empathy. Schools imploding, bombs exploding, ancient people displaced by perilous tides, victims of nature and the forces of our nature. For so many, everything is gone, but the certainty of uncertainty. On the next Janice Adams Show, inspiration, achievement, commencement. Congressman John Lewis, Anita Hill, Oprah Winfrey, the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. First, the news. Trying to make it real compared to what? Hi, this is Janice Adams. Welcome to the show. Just this week, I had the privilege of being awarded an honorary Doctor of Humane Letters from my undergraduate alma mater, the State University of New York at New Paltz, and delivering the commencement address. More on that later. But from that total high, for this week's show, we're celebrating graduates everywhere. A graduating senior speaking for her class and an amazing quartet of recipients of honorary doctorates and their inspired commencement addresses. Member of the U.S. House of Representatives civil rights icon John Lewis, attorney and human rights activist Anita Hill, self-made communications mogul Oprah Winfrey, and the Black Panther, his real self, Chadwick Boseman. We begin at Rutgers University's Camden Law School with Chancellor Phoebe Haddon introducing her speaker and the significance of the honorary degree. One of the most prestigious honors any university can bestow is an honorary degree, a degree which is conferred honoris causa or for the sake of honor. Through this public action, Rutgers acknowledges individuals whose exceptional achievements support the ideals of the university and serve as an example for our students, our alumni, and society. Professor Anita Hill, a pioneering leader in the struggle for equity and against sexual harassment, is known across this nation for the enduring impact of her work. Therefore, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the boards of governors and trustees of Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey, I am pleased to honor upon you, honoris causa, the degree of Doctor of Laws with all the rights, privileges, and immunities appertaining thereunto here and elsewhere. Congratulations. I will stand a little taller every day because of this. I will also do my very best to live up to the ideals of this university and the promises of the class of 2018. Now, I know what it felt to get this honorary degree, and I know that you all are just bursting to get yours as well. But I also noticed that you're a little subdued. <laughs> I just can't imagine that at some point you're just not gonna like let it all out. So I'm just gonna give you a moment now to start to let it all out. Congratulations, class of 2018. I am one of you. You did what you set out to do, leave Rutgers <laughs> with a degree in your hand. And that is not anything that any of us can take for granted. We've already talked about how you've been assisted and guided by family, friends, partners, staff, as well as faculty. Because it is true, no one gets here 
to this moment that you are in alone. So I want to thank you uh, for letting me be a part of it and sharing this day. And I also want to recognize for a moment that I know that many of you have had challenges coming to this day, but you stuck with it, you stood the course, and here we are. And I am so proud to be part of it. Now, I've mentioned that we had, nobody gets here alone, but I also want to say that this day is uniquely yours. In the years to come, you're going to look back at this experience of having lived and learned together, having graduated together, and you're going to look back in context, in the context of what has been going on in the world during this time. Especially in the law, from the legalization of same-sex marriage to the rise in hate crimes, from the end of the Obama era to the election of Donald Trump and the March on Washington, these will shape how you view your law school days. It also will shape how you see your country and perhaps even how you see your work in the world. I hope it does. You have received your education in a time of uncertainty, not to mention a time of violence and terrorism to too many of your peers and even younger students on campus. We will need to see legislation passed that puts safety of individuals first, that makes clear the right to live and work and be educated in safe environments. And you with your skills and your knowledge and your determination, having lived through this moment, are in prime positions to make sure that that legislation gets introduced and gets passed. Now, some of you will not be a part of this next phase, and I know that some, some of you will be thinking that you may have some time for social justice, but mostly you just have to earn enough money to live and to pay off your student debts. You're fortunate because here, the education is not quite as expensive as some of your peer schools. But I hear you about debt, and I just want to share with you just a brief story. My college graduation, my mother gave me a set of luggage. She gave me a set of luggage that was going to replace a set of hand-me-down luggage that I had received when I graduated from high school. I received it from a family friend. So my mother's gift was this blue Samsonite luggage that is hard and, and impractical. It doesn't look like anything you have now, but it had my initials on it. And my mother had saved S&H green stamps for over four years to get it. Now, how many of you don't even know what S&H green stamps are? <laughs> Google it. But more than a piece of place to carry my clothes, the luggage represented her aspirations for me. She knew that my life was not going to be her life. And she, but she wanted me to have my own tools and knowing that I would go my own way, but also hoping that I would take with me something of what it meant to be a member of a family of subsistence farmers. And I still have both the hand-me-down set of luggage from our family friend and the blue Samsonite luggage that my mother gave me. Together, they really do, for me, represent the tools that I have to go out in the world and to be myself. Now, today, you're going to get a diploma. And in many ways, it's going to look like all of the other diplomas, except it's going to have your name on it. The diploma will reflect the relationships and experiences that you have shared here and have shared with the world. But in the end, you will have to decide what that parchment paper means in your life and in your career. The JD you will get will be what you make of it. 
and no two of you will get exactly the same from it. And that's the beauty of it, because no two of you were alike when you came to get it. Most of you are not going to go into careers in social justice, and it is sad to me that most people can't afford to. But I want you to promise me and your classmates that you will make a commitment to social justice part of whatever work or careers you enter. And you can do that. It doesn't have to be all of your career, but there's always something that you can do in your own workplaces, no matter what you call yourself, whether you're a prosecutor or a defense attorney, whether you're a law professor or a government lawyer or a general counsel, you can make social justice part of your work. And you have learned to do that through your experience here at Rutgers. So I would just say to you, promise me, whether in times of certainty and clarity or in times of chaos, that you will be your bravest self, the bravest self that you can be to confront the challenges of the world and to confront your own challenges. When uncertain times call, promise me that you will embrace community and not division. And promise me, finally, that you will live with a commitment to equal justice under the law today and throughout your entire lives. Thank you. Hail to the class of 2018. Our celebration continues with self-made media mogul Oprah Winfrey at the University of California's Annenberg School of Communications. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to give a special shout out because uh, I was happy that Dean Bay invited me, but I was going to be here anyway. Because one of my lovely daughter girls attends the Anningbrook School of Journalism and is getting her master's today. So I was coming whether I was speaking or not. So a special shout out to a young woman who I met when she was in the seventh grade. And it was the first year that I was looking for smart, bright, uh, giving, resilient, kind, open-hearted girls who had it, that factor that means that you keep going no matter what. And uh, this was the year that I chose everybody individually. And I remember her walking into the office in a little township where we were doing interviews all over South Africa. And she came in and recited a poem about her teacher. And when she walked out the door, I go, that's an it girl. Tando Deloma, I am here to say, I am so proud of you. Long way from the township in South Africa, and her aunt has flown 30 hours to be here for this celebration today. Thank you so much. So, today I come bearing some good news and some bad news for anybody who intends to build a life around your ability to communicate. So I want to get the bad news out first so you can be clear. I always like to get the bad stuff up front. So here it is. Everything around us, including and in particular the internet and social media, is now being used to erode trust in our institutions, interfere in our elections, and wreak havoc on our infrastructure. It hands advertisers a map to our deepest desires. It enables misinformation to run rampant, attention spans to run short, and false stories from phony sites to run circles around major news outlets. We have literally walked into traffic while staring at our phones. Now the good news. 
The good news is that there really is a solution. And the solution is each and every one of you because you will become the new editorial gatekeepers, an ambitious army of truth seekers who will arm yourselves with the intelligence, with the insight and the facts necessary to strike down deceit. You're in a position to keep all of those who now disparage real news, you all are the ones who are gonna keep those people in check. Why? Because you can push back and you can answer false narratives with real information and you can set the record straight. And you also have the ability and the power to give voice to people who desperately now need to tell their stories and have their stories told. And this is what I do know for sure because I've been doing it a long time. If you can just capture the humanity of the people, of the stories that you're telling, you then get that much closer to your own humanity. Your life journey is about learning to become more of who you are and fulfilling the highest, truest expression of yourself as a human being. That's why you're here. You will do that through your work and your art, through your relationships and your love, and to quote Albert Einstein, education is what remains after we forget what we're taught. You've learned a lot here at USC. And when all that you've been taught begins to fade into the fabric of your life, I hope that what remains is your ability to analyze, to make distinctions, to be creative, and to wander down that road less travel whenever you have the opportunity. And I hope that when you go, you go all in and that your education helps you to walk that road with an open, discerning mind. Discernment is what we're missing, and a kind heart. You know, there's seven billion people on the planet right now, and here you are. Your degree from the USC Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism, this degree you're about to get, is a privilege. It's a privilege. And that privilege obligates you to use what you've learned to lend a hand to somebody who doesn't get to be here. Somebody who's never had a ceremony like the one you're having this morning. So, I hold you in the light, and I wish you curiosity and confidence, and I wish you ethics and enlightenment. I wish you guts. Every great decision I've ever made, I trusted my gut and goodness. I wish you purpose and the passion that goes along with that purpose. And here's what I really hope. I hope that every one of you contributes to the conversation of our culture and our time and to some genuine communication, which means you have to connect to people exactly where they are. Not where you are, but where they are. And I hope you shake things up. And when the time comes to bet on yourself, I hope you double down. And I hope you always know how happy and how incredibly relieved everybody is in this room that you've made it to this place <laughs> at this time on this gorgeous day. Congratulations, USC Annenberg Class of 2018. Hail to the Class of 2018. More on the Janice Adams Show after the break. Trying to make it real compared to what... We're back here on the Janice Adams Show. Hail to the graduates, class of 2018, and the commencement speakers, recipients of honorary doctorates who've inspired them this year and us. Here's Congressman and civil rights icon John Lewis at Boston University. To the class of 2018. To each and every one of you 
receiving a degree or diploma today. Congratulations. My, my young friends, my young brothers and sisters, I want you to consider two words, beloved community. Beloved means not hateful, not violent, not uncaring, not unkind. And community means not separated, not polarized, not locked in struggle. Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, and Jesus taught us the way of love, taught us the way of peace, taught us to respect the dignity and the worth of every human being. There is a spark of the divine in all of us. And we must never, ever give up on a fellow human beings. I know some of you, you know, came here, student loans, and uh, your mothers and fathers, your parents, have paid the bills, and some of you still have bills to pay. I know you would like to go out and get a great job as quick as possible and earn some money. And maybe buy a big house, buy some designer clothes, maybe a shiny new car. But I said to you today, if you want a better, more just society, you cannot wait for someone else to do it. Through your own efforts, through your own action, through your own creativity and vision, you have to do it. You must make our world a better place. We have to save and leave this world better for generations yet unborn. That is your calling. We have a right. We have a right to know what is in the food we eat, what is in the water we drink, and what is in the air we breathe. We must save this little planet. If it hadn't been for Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., a graduate of this great university, he spoke of Boston University on so many occasions. When I was growing up in rural Alabama, I wanted to attend a little college 10 miles from my home called Troy State College, now known as Troy University. It didn't accept black students. So I wrote a letter to Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. when I was 17. He wrote me back and sent me a round-trip Greyhound bus ticket and invited me to come to Montgomery to meet with him. In the meantime, I was accepted at a little college in Nashville, Tennessee. An uncle of mine gave me a $100 bill and a footlocker. I put everything that I owned in that footlocker and took a Greyhound bus to Nashville. I put everything in that footlocker except the chickens that I had been raising, the chicken that I used to preach to when I was a little boy. <laughs> so Dr. King got back in church and heard that I was in Nashville. He invited me to come to Montgomery to meet with him. A young lawyer met me at the Greyhound bus station in downtown Montgomery and drove me to the First Baptist Church, pastor by the Reverend Ralph Abernathy. I saw Martin Luther King Jr. and Reverend Ralph Abernathy standing behind a desk. And Dr. King said, Are you the boy from Troy? Are you John Lewis? And I said, Dr. King, my name is John Robert Lewis. I gave my whole name, but he still called me the boy from Troy. This man inspired me to stand up to speak up, to speak out. When I was growing up, I saw the signs that said white men, colored men, white women, colored women, white waiting, colored waiting. I would ask my mother, my father, my grandparents, and my great-grandparents why. They would say, boy, that's the way it is. Don't get in the way, don't get in trouble. I got in trouble 
I got in trouble. Good trouble. We, we need young men and women to go out there and get in trouble. I tell you, look, I got arrested a few times. 40 times during the 60s. And since I've been in Congress, another five times. And I'm probably gonna get arrested again for something. My philosophy is very simple. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have a moral obligation to say something, to do something, stand up, speak up, speak out. No matter what part of the United States or what part of the world you come from, we have to save our democratic ideas and create a society at peace with itself. So I appeal to you to be brave, to be bold, to be courageous. I see men and women find a way to change things. To live and see so many changes, simple thing like the coming down of signs. The signs that I saw, they are gone. And the only place that you will see these signs, or those signs today, will be in a book, in a museum, or on a video. You're smart, you're gifted, you've been chosen. You have been called by the spirit of history to play a role that no one else can play any better. Just think a few short years ago, black people and white people couldn't be seated together on a Greyhound bus leaving Washington, D.C. Just think a few short years ago, in many parts of the American South, people could not register to vote because of the color of their skin. Every African-American asked to count the number of bubbles on a bar, so. The number of jelly beans in a jar. We tried to get rid of that with the passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965. But some people not only gave a little blood, that's the only thing I did, I gave a little blood on that bridge. But some people gave their lives. I urge you, as you leave here, participate in the democratic process. Get out there and vote like we never voted before. I wish you well. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Don't get lost in a sea of despair. But be bold. Be courageous. And all will work out. Thank you very much. I now present Ms. Yasmin Yunus, a senior who will receive her bachelor's degree from the College of Communication, who will speak on behalf of the class of 2018. Ms. Yunus. Thank you, President Brown. It's an honor to be here today, especially speaking alongside civil rights icon, John Lewis. Mr. Lewis, you are the man. Hello. And to my Muslim brothers and sisters, Ramadan Karim. My name is Yasmin Liwa Yunus. I say my name loud and proud from Baghdad, where my parents were born, to Ballas Road, the Midwest street I grew up on, to Boston University, among the class of 2018 on Nickerson Field. Before attending BU, I would have introduced myself as Yasmin, I have no middle name Eunice. I made my name more easily digestible because I was uncomfortable in my own skin, unsure of who I was, who I was meant to be, and who I would become. 
When I decided to attend BU, it was right after I read about BU alum Uzo Aduba's name reclamation story. She inspired me to make a rule that once I was at BU, I would no longer refer to myself as Yasmin, but as Yasmin. Because as her mother said, if someone could say Tchaikovsky, they sure as hell could say Yasmin. Being in a diverse environment like BU, I knew this was my one shot to learn to accept myself and to become the Yasmin Liwa Yunus my parents believed I could be. From as early as I could remember, I wanted to change my name. I hated it almost as much as I hated being Iraqi. Almost as much as I hated my curly hair, dark eyes, and tan skin but not as much as what I truly hated, myself. My struggle towards self-acceptance was a long, tumultuous journey, beginning from the moment my parents emigrated to this country, respectively. My parents left their homeland to pursue better lives for themselves and for their future family. <laughs> Excuse me. And to this day, my parents never returned to Iraq. But my parents instilled a piece of Iraq within both my brother and I through our names. What better way for me to be me than by reclaiming my name? My first name, Yasmin, is a flower in Arabic. My middle name, Liwa, is my father's name, a tradition in Iraqi culture. My last name, Yunus, is the name of the Prophet Yunus, a beloved prophet in my religion, Islam. I always had a knack for writing, as it was my way to express myself. But at BU, I turned self-expression into self-sufficiency by transforming my creative outlet into an employable field of study. Although my journey was unique to me, BU threw so many opportunities to grow, resources to use, and questions to ask ourselves to uncover who we truly are. These opportunities gave us the skills to enter the workforce or graduate school. These resources gave us the knowledge to take the next step in our careers. And these questions allowed us to know who we are and to push ourselves to be the best versions we can be. Like many of you, I'm unsure of where I'll be. But BU instilled immeasurable confidence in me and us the class of 2018, that I know we will succeed no matter where the beginning of our respective post-undergraduate chapters take us. I owe this newfound confidence in all of us to BU because of how BU gave it to us. Like everyone on this field, I really struggled here. However, there is so much beauty in this struggle, but more importantly, overcoming the struggle. Whether it be struggling to adjust to our first Bostonian winter during the record-breaking 2015 Boston blizzard, to miserably, <laughs> to miserably attempting to pass Chem 101, to our first college heartbreaks, to getting rejected from our top internship or job opportunity and everything in between, our time at BU was not easy. But what good came from anything easy? Every struggle we overcame added to our story. It helped us figuratively reclaim our names, like my struggles pushed me to literally reclaim mine. To the BU community, to our friends, and to our families, thank you for helping us become the Asmin Liwa Yunuses, our mamas and babas, ummies and abus, ummas and abbas, and moms and dads believed we could be. To the class of 2018, let's reflect on our journey and how we've become the people we are at this very moment. But most importantly, I ask that you uncover what it is that led you to unapologetically be you. Embrace it and never, ever let it go. And finally, Black Lives Matter and Free Palestine. Hail to the class of 2018. More on the Janice Adams Show after the break. Trying to make it real compared to what... 
We're back here on the Janice Adams Show. Hail to the graduates, class of 2018, and the commencement speakers, recipients of honorary doctorates who've inspired us all this year. Speaking from Howard University, OMG T'Challa, his real self, Howard alum, Chadwick Bozeman. And my ancestors on whose shoulders I stand, let me also acknowledge my professors who have passed on to the other side. It is a great privilege, graduates, to address you on your day, a day marking one of the most important accomplishments of your life to date. This is a magical place, a place where the dynamics of positive and negative seem to exist in extremes. I remember walking across this yard on what seemed to be a random day, my head down, lost in my own world of issues, like many of you do daily. I'm almost at the center of the yard. I raised my head and Muhammad Ali was walking towards me. Time seemed to slow down as his eyes locked on mine and opened wide. He's raised his fist into a quintessential guard. I was game to play along with him, to act as if I was a worthy opponent. What an honor to be challenged by the GOAT, the greatest of all time, for a brief moment. His face was as serious as if I were Frazier in the Thriller in Manila. His movements, his movements or flashes of a, of a past greater than I can imagine. His security let the joke play along for a second before they ushered him away. And I walked away floating like a butterfly. I walked away amused at him, amused at myself, amused at life for this moment that almost no one would ever believe. I walked away light, ready to take on the world. That is the magic of this place. Almost anything can happen here. So you went to Howard University, huh? The exec holding my resume interrupted, peeking over the pages. Yes, I said proudly. He slid my resume back in his desk and said, thank you for your concerns. We'll be watching you. I left the office. I shot the episode I had come in to shoot on that, on that day. Probably the best one I did out of the three because I got what was bothering me off my chest. I was let go from that job on the next day. A, call, a phone call from my agent. They decided to go another way. The questions that I asked set the producers on guard and perhaps paved the way for a less stereotypical portrayal for the black actor that stepped into the role after me. As the scripture says, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it. But God kept growing. God kept it growing. Yet and still, when you invest in a seed, watching it grow without you, that is a bitter pill to swallow. A bitter pill. Anybody that's ever been fired knows what I'm talking about. Even if you really don't want the job, when they let you go, it's like any breakup. You act like you don't care. I didn't need that damn job anyway. I didn't need them. But when you have those moments alone, you start to wonder if there was a better way to handle it. And if you could have if you could have handled it better, maybe you could help your family. And, and then before you know it, you're broke and you find yourself scraping together change just so you can ride the subway so that you can get the next job. And maybe if you could book something else, that would eclipse the feeling of doubt that's building. But it seems like you can't pay them to hire you now. My agents at the time told me it might be a while before I got a job acting on screen again. Well, that was fine because I never wanted to act in the, in the first place. I, and I definitely didn't want to be caught dead going after a fake Hollywood pipe dream. I'm more of a writer-director anyway, so forget their stories. I can tell my own stories. But, but am I actually blackballed? We're, we're, we're hesitant about sending you out to some people right now because there is a stigma that you're difficult. 
as conflicted as I was before I lost the job, as adamant as I, I was about the need to speak truth to power, I found myself even more conflicted afterwards. I stand here today knowing that my Howard University education prepared me to play Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and T'Challa. But what do you do when the principles and standards that were instilled in you here at Howard close the doors in front of you? Sometimes you need to get knocked down before you can really figure out what your, what your fight is and how you need to fight it. At some point, my mom reverted back to my experiences here, to the professors that challenged me and struggled against me. Professor Roberts Williams, Doc Singleton, George Epstein, to name a few, the ones that, that would fail you out of the goodness of their hearts. <laughs> And this may be hard to grasp for some, for some of you right now, but I even considered President Swagger and how negotiating with him was practice for a world that was considerably more cruel and unforgiving than any debate here, one that had no interest in my ideals and beliefs. How would I maneuver through all of this? Finally, I thought of Ali in the middle of the yard, in his elder years, drawing from his victories and his losses. At that moment, I realized something new about this, the greatness of Ali and how he carried his crown. I realized that he was transferring something to me on that day. He was transferring the spirit of the fighter to me. Sometimes you need to feel the pain and sting of defeat to activate the real passion and purpose that God predestined inside of you. God says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Graduating class, hear me well on this day. This day when you have reached the hilltop and you are deciding on, on next jobs, Next steps, you would rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. When I dare to challenge the system that would relegate us to victims and stereotypes with no clear historical backgrounds, no hopes or talents, when I questioned that method of portrayal, a different path opened up for me. The path to my destiny. When God has something for you, it doesn't matter who stands against it. God will move someone that's holding you back away from a door and put someone there who will open it for you. I don't know what your future is, but if you are willing to take the harder way, the more complicated one, the one with more failures at first than successes, the one that has ultimately proven to have more meaning, more victory, more glory, then you will not regret it. Now, this is your time. <laughs> the light of new realization shines on you today. Howard's legacy is not wrapped up in the money that you will make, but the challenges that you choose to confront. As you commence to your past, press on with pride, and press on with purpose. God bless you. I love you, Howard. Howard forever. And rounding out this week's show, 
here I am at my alma mater, the State University of New York at Newport, where it seemed to rain 40 days and 40 nights all in one graduation day. Distinguished honoree SUNY Newport's graduating class of 2018. Yay! Congratulations! With the wind at your back and the power of the weather to keep us riveted, you made it. Class of 2018, give yourselves a hand. Class of 2018, give your parents and your professors a hand. They've brought you to this day, and what a day. Such is the commitment of rain to cleanse the world, rinse the mind, give us shared perspective and priority. Class of 2018, give your storm and your thunder a hand. It has cleared away. For my offering on this day, one story and a coda. Let's just say graduations are in May for a reason. I know this one comes at the right time for me. Reeling from the past year, the past week, even this past day, I take a lesson I learned right here as a young pianist, a story about the virtuoso pianist composer Johannes Brahms. A passionate walker, he walked two hours a day, every day. As the story goes, a student asked him, what can I do to perfect my keyboard technique? Go walking, said Brahms. See the world, listen to the music of life. As April ebbed away, as nature rebelled at our human propensity to get in her way, nature, the mother of us all, sent a blizzard, a volcano, even a tornado, where she'd rarely sent one before, to focus our sights. Not sure how to absorb the information, I went walking. It's May. You can feel it in the air everywhere. Yes, there's a reason commencements are in May, season of new beginnings. Walking for the sheer joy of it, of catching up with life, my lungs filled with the air of privilege. I was filled with metaphor. Skipping stones, I stumbled. And believe me, standing steady for me as I recuperate from major back surgery at this stage of my youth is no small feat. When skipping stones didn't become stumbling stones, landing on my own two feet upright, the basics, I was thrilled. With millions the world over enjoying the stock of awesome imbalance, oh, the joy of recovering my balance. All nature asked of me was empathy. Schools imploding, bombs exploding, ancient people displaced by perilous tides, victims of nature and the forces of our nature. For so many, everything is gone but the certainty of uncertainty. There is no greater sorrow on earth than the loss of one's native land, wrote Euripides in 431 BCE. Yet we go on, I walked on. Why does May bring such challenges? What is it about contrarian May that also exudes such a sense of the May, the I can of it all? Walking in Yellowstone after the fires of the late 1980s, I happened upon a new growth of aspens in a forest of dead trees. A park ranger explained to me their secret of life. Aspens seize energy, he said, from otherwise devastating fires, regenerating themselves. Their seeds burst open by extreme heat. Aspens have their best shot at life. Hmm. I visited the park in May. May, when Earth's northern half springs to life, fat with green, last week it didn't look like this. Green, life, that's the story. And the coda? Seeking words to share with you and to express my gratitude for this honorary doctorate, I've been inspired by the example of one of the world's great teachers. 
his holistic view of the world, his sense of identity at one with nature, his remembering from whence he came, his sense of himself in the larger scheme of things. Awarded his honorary Doctor of Amphibious Letters on this very day in 1996, said Kermit D. Frog. On behalf of frogs, fish, pigs, bears, and all of the other species who are lower than you on the food chain, thank you for dedicating your lives to saving our world and our home. Now that's the kind of protectionism we can all get behind. Draining the swamp without regard to ecosystems necessary for all our survival? Come on, it's not easy being green. And that, dear graduates, is a thing to which I know you relate. For green is the color of spring, the color of new life and youth. Green can be big and friendly-like, like your spirit and your heart. Green can be big as a mountain, like the challenges you will overcome and all you will achieve as you climb, or tall as a tree. From seedlings and acorns, those who love you have watched you grow. But when green is all there is to be, when others come at you with all their questions and fears and pressures, it can make you wonder why. But why wonder? Why wonder? You are green, you'll do just fine, you're beautiful, and we know it's what you really ought to be. Class of 2018, in the wondrous fulfillment of your being green, yes, is the potential and the power to be all you are at one with nature. Go now, be green, be great, go walking. Today on the Janice Adams Show, hail to the class of 2018. For links to each speaker and the universities that honored them, visit my website, JaniceAdams.com. From the studios of WJFF, post-production Jason Dole, the Janice Adams Show is a production of Janice Adams, LLC, all rights reserved. Trying to make it real compared to what...